Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Sixty-five Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. Welcome in. 365 Sports, the Triple Option. I'm Paul Catalina alongside the one and only Garrett Ross today. Uh, and I have fun doing the show with Garrett. Like, it, it is, I mean, just admittedly, and I don't mean to say this to dog you at all, but usually when Garrett has to produce and do the show, it's because... Uh, we don't have the co-host for that day. That's right. And Pierre, who's going to move from Thursdays to Mondays, starting next week, will be Thursday this week and Monday next week. And um, he had it Monday this week, and then we're going to have a different new co-host on Thursday. And then this week, um, his station like moved around his days, so he had to switch it. So we're here with Garrett, but I do thoroughly enjoy We have great times when we do Thank this you. show. We have several things to talk about today on the show. Um, including an idea that one of our listeners, viewers, John, uh, UCF fan John, had that we are going to, and we, we kind of just spitballed for five minutes yeah. before the show about things that we can do with it, but 
even starting small, we're going to have Jack on a little bit later and kind of workshop some issues. And we're very, very um, excited for you guys to get involved with it when it comes to EA Sports College Football 25. Uh, and I might have in this, because of John, found the wife loophole Oh, so that I don't have to ask for permission. I love this. Can Be- you wanna- because, here, I'll tell you, because if the PlayStation mostly lives here, Ah. Or where we would do some of these things like games and all yeah. that. If it mostly doesn't live at my house where it's not like I'm just not upstairs ignoring her, then I think it works. I, I think it does until you regularly start coming to work early. Yeah. <laughs> then, then we got the problem. Why, why are you going I mean, to work at 7.30 a.m.? all these questions. No, don't worry about it. Don't worry why about it. Why are you taking the snacks? No. Yeah. <laughs> what? what is with the gigantic thing of Utz cheese balls you just bought? <laughs> why, is, why is that going with you right now? But uh, I, um, But we're going to talk about that later in the show. First off, uh, we usually don't start out with basketball, but this is a really interesting Big 12 basketball weekend, Mm -hmm. a very interesting national basketball weekend if you really look at it. I mean, Kentucky uh, beating Auburn and beating them like they did was really – on the road was surprising to me, although Kentucky's good. Yeah, they are. They're just young, really young. And, like, John Calipari, he had the the ultimate one-and-done team – uh, and I got to see them in person in Atlanta just beat a very good Baylor team, the mm-hmm. Elite Eight, that year. But they haven't won since then, which has now been more than a decade. And it's because those are the teams he's essentially built since then. And the rest of the country wins with veterans. Yes. So, like, get old, stay old is the, is the mantra. So the teams that win regularly – and look, the teams that are the best right now, like Houston, Purdue, Arizona – all just chock full of guys who've been there for three or more years, you know? Yeah. And then you, you have maybe a super stud freshman who comes in and sprinkles a little hot sauce on that, on that entree. But other than that, it's a, it would be a solid meal on its own. And um, that's not what Kentucky's been. It looks like they've kind of maybe turned that a little bit, but they're still really young. Well, it's difficult for Kentucky because Calipari can recruit anybody he wants. And for years, you were getting the best of the best, the, the top-tier talent coming in there. Unfortunately, they're just staying one year. Mm-hmm. And he found himself in that cycle of the one-and-dones. And it's so hard, man, to, to get people now, and especially like in the – the era of uh, NIL and everything where you can come in and get people to stay longer. Um, but no, I think that's one that he balanced. That was kind of my concern. Once Baylor started really, really reeling off these consistent seasons was how was Scott drew going to navigate that and kind of fall into the same realm that Kentucky did. But I think Calipari finally figured it out. He knew that you got to get older in this um, while they have struggled at, at times this year, they are really young. He's got a great recruiting class coming in next season. So I think when, that's when you're probably going to see Kentucky start getting back to, to consistently competing and making runs for championships, but they are a really good program right now. Uh, the SEC is pretty deep, not as near as deep as the Big 12 by any means, but that's a good win for them against a really good Auburn team that they were able to pull off this weekend. Yeah, um, and so let's get to the Big 12 now. Some interesting things happened uh, this weekend. Uh, one, and I think most importantly for this team and my personal sanity uh, is Kansas won a game on the road against a, against a good Oklahoma team who's in a bit of a funk right now. Baylor thumped them good uh, on Tuesday night or Wednesday night last week, whenever that was, uh, and then they went on the road again, or they then went home thinking they're getting a Kansas team who's a bit of a weakened animal, and then Kansas came out in the second half and played off their feet. So they, they looked like the Kansas team we've seen. They just haven't 
done that away from Fog Allen since the Big 12 um, schedule started. So that's a big one for Kansas to be able to do that. They got Kevin McCuller back. The whole roster was like everybody was available. Now they still didn't get much production off the bench, but from their starters, I think four of the five and double figures, if I'm not wrong, yep. and KJ Adams had nine. So yeah, they were just knocking on the door. Only two points off the bench. And that's really what you're probably going to see from Kansas. It's like no more than 10 off the bench on mm-hmm. any given night. Um, but they had a big win uh, and continue to keep pace. We're going to talk about Iowa State last yeah. because they are um, they're kind of showing the world something that maybe they didn't see before. But Kansas, again, if you're talking about starting lineups and your depth helps you get through the season and get your seating, your starting lineups is what wins in the mm-hmm. postseason for the most part. I mean, now the teams that have like eight legit starters that kind of come at you in waves, like they they can go far, but really. And this is how it is in, in any level. Like, your bench is great, but your starters win your titles. No, they are. But I also think it helps when you actually have Hunter Dickinson show up for a whole game and <laughs> be, become a, a major factor. I think that's kind of been the thing for me when I watch Kansas is he's so hit or miss and so inconsistent to what he was uh, during his time at Michigan. I thought that was something that I, I that has kind of been concerning for me. I like Johnny Furphy. I think he's one of my – like, I think every team in the Big 12 would want him on there. Oh, every he team just, in the, the country dude, would want Dude, the Johnny energy Furphy. he brings is absolutely ridiculous. That game that they were where they uh escaped Baylor in uh Kansas I wanted to watch him and Jacoby just go one-on-one yeah that because they were so insane but Furphy's uh, uh fun to watch but yeah I think when Dickinson is on that's the difference maker for them and he's got he especially now he's got to bring this type of play consistently if they want to make a run in the look uh, if he goes 20 and 16 like he did yeah I mean he they're gonna win that game most of the time uh and Furphy here's the thing I'll tell you about Furphy he has no fear of anything no no fear. So that's the one thing about freshmen. And I think Jacoby Walter is, it, I, especially after the other day uh, or the last two games, I've seen him kind of move past it mm-hmm. where I think he was a little bit, I don't think I want to say fear, but he wasn't a killer. Yeah. Johnny Furphy's a killer, man. Yeah. Like he is, he's the kind of dude that you have no problem with him taking the last shot from wherever it is. Like if he's the one with the ball in his hands, like he's confident even as a freshman. Um, all right, Baylor and West Virginia. Uh, this is a place that normally for Baylor is really tough to play, and it's really tough for everybody to play. They really controlled this game. Like mm-hmm. they really did a good job of moving the ball up and down the floor. This is one of the first, like the last two games are the first time consecutively that they've had games since the Big Twelve started where they've controlled the game pretty much beginning to end. Yeah. I mean, like. You know, I know that like was you know when you're talking about close early, but like once you have that point, like the under eight timeout is when I look at you know how this game is going mm-hmm. at this point, and like the under eight timeout, the last two games in the first half, they've been in control. They've they've been in control. They've they've willed their way. They've played their style of basketball. They haven't had to change anything. Um, now look, West Virginia cut a like an 18 point lead to 10 um, in the last three minutes. Mm-hmm. But Baylor still wound up winning by 13 points. Um, so that's something they kind of have to watch. Um, there was never to me in question, but there was a, like a point where like, man, they're really kind of standing on the accelerator right now. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you can't, you can maybe let West Virginia get away with that because they're, they're not the best team in the big 12, obviously at three and nine in the league and eight and 17 overall, but they're still a big 12 team and they still have played the tough place and you can't let the home crowd get back in it. But I was, I was impressed to see that Baylor has now strung two games together in a row, which they hadn't done for a while where they 
they showed that, yes, we are a top team in the league, and we are going to beat a team that we should beat no matter where it is. No, I think it was also impressive to see all of your or both of your guards in Ray J. Dennis and uh, – uh, why am I drawing a blank there? Uh, Jaden Nunn go off like because it's usually one gets scoring and the other kind of checks out. And but it, literally everybody for Baylor was um, just bringing the energy offensively. You saw the consistent scoring across the board from their team, and you were able to rely on your depth of rotation. I think I, me and J, uh, Jack were talking about this earlier. Watching Eves Missy and the progression of him this year has been really remarkable. I think he is. I would love to see him come back for another couple of years. I don't know if the way he's – as well as he's played this year, if that's going to be realistic or not. I think he's got some really good draft odds. Jack says he's gone. So, but, I mean, just watching his progression, like, it, it's so cool because Baylor has had good big men in the past. He's definitely – I think Jonathan Chumachachua could have been their biggest one, unfortunately, the injury. Yeah. But he's missy has the potential to be the best big man Baylor's ever had. And yeah. I hope he gets to stay here a couple more years. Yeah, I, I do. I think he's going to go, though. He's only played basketball for like three years of his life. It's crazy. I mean, so it's unbelievable seeing how much better he's getting. I'll tell you, the other day, uh, the one who is fun to watch and should make Baylor fans feel okay about Eve's uh, leaving is Josh O'Shawana. Yeah. Was fantastic. Like, he had a career game. He was He had steals. And not even just like big man steals where you like – Oh, I just swatted the ball. Like he had a steal and he ran the floor. Like it was, I, like, I thought I was high. I was like, no, (laughs) this is, it's insane. You know, so they've got good things going on. Um, I thought now moving on to Houston, Mm -hmm. who's a legit championship caliber team. Yeah. And the reason I continue to see this is that even in their losses, they look good. And then when they, they can get a team like Texas, who is admittedly, below where we all thought they would mm-hmm. be, but still very talented and beat them by 21 points and never for a minute in that game did you think Texas was going to get back in it. No. Not from the tip. It just, that like when you can take a team that's good, Texas is not great, they're good, take a good team like Texas and absolutely grind them into a fine powder and have the, like essentially like, I thought at the end of the game that the court guy was literally mopping up the remains of Texas. Like, <laughs> oh, well, there's there goes that guy. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> Squeeze him out of the bucket. Maybe he'll reform. I mean, they just got beat so bad. And, you know, Rodney Terry, I don't know what the long-term future is for him there, but yeah, that's a great he's going to have to fight off the, like, well, we essentially, you were the interim coach. We made you the full-time coach because you did so well, but, like, you had this great roster and you've clearly taken a step back, you know, like getting the best score that was available in the transfer portal and the guy who was really the best score in the country, Max Ace, just to come in mm-hmm. to add to Tyrese Hunter and Dylan Mitchell and Disu, who you already all had, not to mention everybody else that they got, you know, like have a veteran like Brock Cunningham, who if Brock Cunningham, if you're a Longhorn fan, you love Brock Cunningham. Yeah. If you're a fan of any other team in the him. world, you hate him. Yes. You hate him, which to me makes me respect Brock Cunningham. I like guys like that. The, um, in baseball, it was Mike Napoli. If you like Mike Napoli was on your team, you love Mike Napoli. Mm-hmm. Mike Napoli was not on your team. You wanted to get beamed every time. But he was on your team. He's like, he's your weapon. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Brock Cunningham, like I have a lot of respect for a dude who like, literally everyone hates him. Like, everybody on the other teams hate him because of his style of play. And, like, he's – I mean, he's violent, and I say that out of respect. Like, I say that as a person who grew up 
not liking the 90s Knicks, but respecting the fact oh, that yeah. they didn't give a crap. You would get decapitated going down there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he would have, like, if you told Brock Cunningham, we're going to send you back in time and you're going to get to go at least to training camp with the 90s, like, early 90s Knicks or, like, the bad boy Pistons, mm-hmm. that, like, honestly, if somebody didn't at least get a chip tooth, they're like, we played bad defense today. Yeah. Like, oh, we only gave up 71 points and we scored 100. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, nobody's going to the dentist tomorrow, right. so we're kind of wusses, you know. Um, I, like, I like him. I like him. Um, and I, but they have a roster that makes no sense why it's not as good. No, it, it doesn't. It doesn't work well together. It's not consistent. That's, and that, to me, is on Rodney Terry. But, like, when you get Max Aceman, who's the best scorer in the country, to come to a roster that didn't even really need him. No, they didn't. I mean, like, you could win with the roster you had. He gone to Wichita State or to – to Can- like, he had gone to Kansas State. I mean, the whole Big 12 season is probably different. Totally different. But, like, he goes to Kansas State instead of Texas. Like, you know, like, both those teams are better, and we're not even – like, we don't even think about it. Like, right. You know, or both those teams are probably the same, and maybe Texas – I don't know. It's just one of those weird things that didn't work out. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. I just, so, I, sometimes with that, like, I don't know – I understand a coach is supposed to make chemistry work and everything, but at the end of the day – at some point, especially when you're talking about having guys like Brock Cunningham and who have been around forever, it's got to be on the, the players to make it work. So I, as far as like the future of Terry, I think he'll get at least one season in the SEC. And if he's not, if it's kind of the same track record you're seeing right now, he's gone. But yeah, I mean, it makes no sense for Texas to be as wishy-washy as they are. As far as Houston, man, they are just remarkable. I think when you have Shed going off the way he is, as consistent as he is, uh, it's going to be really difficult to beat. Uh, you In this game, you had LJ Cryer get out of his own head and was able to be a factor throughout the course of the game, could not miss from beyond the arc. That was really remarkable. So that that's the thing to me is if Houston can get LJ Cryer out of his own head and can play consistently, they are elite dangerous. Uh, but he's just – I don't know what to make of him sometimes. That's what kind of makes me up there about Houston. Yeah, look, um, LJ Cryer – and we know him from when he was here. Um, great kid. Mm-hmm. But, like, I do think he does get tied up in knots yeah. mentally sometimes. And, um, you know, shooters got to shoot, and that's what he does. And when he's on, like, it, it's, it's different. It's yeah. in those moments where he's not in his head. Uh, and I think part of the reason he does get in his head is, is that he will have rough games defensively just because he's not – He's not, it's not well, his thing. Yeah. It's not his thing. And it's not his thing because he doesn't want to do it. But, like, you know, the, the games where he has rougher games is where he has, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll throw somebody like Pop Isaacs is bigger than him. So when he has to guard Pop mm-hmm. Isaacs, it's a little harder, right? You know, so when he has to do that because you've got these long guards that, you know, get, get in your face. Mm-hmm. Again, against, against Kansas, he had a great game. He had a great game. But also, they were down by a lot. Yeah. And he, like, what he was doing defensively wasn't mattering because what Houston was doing defensively, like Kansas shot 75% for the whole game. Like, yeah, it was just like canceled him out. Yeah, it was like, well, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, and like every time he would get hot, Bill Self would call it, take a timeout, yell at them, and they'd come back on the court and be like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> we'll fix that. So, sorry, coach. Sorry, coach. <laughs> no, we forgot we were winning by as much. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, no, we got it. Um, but, uh, and I just real quick, I think Mike Boynton's, you know, little fiery talk got into like Oklahoma that. State, at least for a week. Um, 
TCU and Kansas State was a really good game, and, and TCU came out on top in that one. And Kansas State's kind of flirting with maybe not making the tournament right now. So weird. It, which is weird because I think they're – they're good, except they don't have they don't have a star. Like that's where well, I think it, like but they, there's, yeah. yeah. But I think if Max Aismas had gone there instead of Texas, we're talking about like I said before, like that's probably the difference is they mm. didn't get that guy. Like you know when they get Keontae Johnson a year ago, like does, that. Does that kind of like the whole vibe of since that incident went down with Naquan Tomlin? Does that whole vibe of around that program kind of seem Arizona State footballish where? Like you there's, didn't have the backing. Like you were there's told a t- from the there's top. a tension that they've got to deal yeah. with. I think the president of Kansas State is very lucky that Jerome Tang is a very loyal person, right? And that he is someone who will rationally sit down and talk things out. Um, there are other coaches in the country that you could probably already be like, all right, well, you know. They're they're going they're going to Indiana when that yeah. job opens yeah. up or whatever you know like that yeah. that's kind of how it goes but um, and I'm not saying that that won't happen I'm not saying that won't happen but I do think that like it could have got a lot uglier it could have got a lot uglier coach but like again Jerome Tang is a very patient man mm. he's a very like he so I think that's lucky because it could get it could like you know like I'll just use an example of like Dana Holgerson. You know, in football, yeah. like Dana Holgerson had the perfect AD for him. Chris Pesman loved Dana, but had Dana Holgerson been at a different school? Well, he was. He was at he West was. Virginia. <laughs> that's, like yeah. that said, didn't work. Like eventually, it was like, no, I'm just going to go. Yeah. Like we're not seeing eye to eye. I'm just going to go. And that might happen with Jerome Tang. I'm not saying it wouldn't, but I would say it's less likely to hire happen with him than anybody else because he wants to be there. Well, he I think loves also, it there. Also, if this would have happened like 5 years into his tenure, he probably would chunk the deuce. Like, you know, like yeah. he doesn't he doesn't have that loyalty yeah, it's year of two. you gave me my first opportunity yeah. as a head coach. I think the timing of it kind of plays into that. Yeah. And and finally in this segment, a team that is now going to get started we're going to start talking about a lot more mm. is Iowa State. Yeah. They're very good. I think they're up to number 6 in the country uh right now and they have uh they're shooting up the charts. They're just they played, um, and look, it was at home, but that's a really good Texas Tech team that that goes all out at you mm-hmm. all, all the time. Uh, and they, you know, they withstood uh, a run at the second half and built a lead in the first half, really controlled the game the entire time, really balanced throughout, like, you know, five guys in double figures, you know, um, they had uh, Trey King with with eight, so like they're like right there. Like mm-hmm. everybody's just playing to the their absolute peak right now. And as you make this run through February into the first part of March, Iowa State's a team that I don't want to play. Right, I don't want to play. I especially don't want to play them at Hilton Coliseum. No, <laughs> I, I absolutely don't want to play them there. But they're very good, and Otts is doing a great job uh, with this Iowa State team. And it took them. You know, that first year was kind of a, you know, was kind of a mess. And then, like, once he got them pointed in the right direction, you look at, like, them over the last couple years, like, they just keep going up and up and up Mm -hmm. and up. And part of it, look, that's a team that can get old and stay old because the guys that Iowa State's going to get for the most part, they 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 all have stars. They lost Tyrese Hunter in all this, right? Tyrese Hunter went to a conference rival, and they're still fine. Like, because... 
If you're you're probably not going to fish in the same waters as Duke and Kansas and Yukon if you are Iowa State, but you're fishing in adjacent waters. Yeah. But guys who aren't necessarily going to be one and dones. And then when you do get a one and done, it's usually surrounded by guys who've been there like they're all fourth year juniors and fifth year seniors. Like mm-hmm. that's how it works there. People stay. Like they just stay. And so I think that's what he's got right now is a veteran team of guys and a good mix of young talent that's that's kind of inflected in there. And they're deep. They like, you know, they they can kind of come at you. They played nine guys, I think, the other day and got twenty off the bench. Yeah, got I mean, twenty off the bench. Like you you can't you can't sneeze at them. Like they're <laughs> they're very, very good. No, they are. I mean I and I think that's the thing is with them is like with not having uh, star players on there. You have more of a camaraderie. Everybody bought in with the same mission. They're dangerous because you're only going to get better. Their defense is elite. They could shut you down there. They're not. I, I think having the the battle tested of going on the road, the Big Twelve will benefit them. Kind of like Kansas. Like Kansas road woes right now will be different once they get into the tournament and uh, you don't have to like a, a true road environment. But mm-hmm. no, they're Iowa State's one of those programs that can get old, stay old. Aggressive defense. They're going to be mismatch nightmare for most people in the tournament, uh, and I wouldn't want to draw them if I'm on the bracket across. I do not want to be across the bracket. My no, absolutely not. They're they're good on both sides. They do everything well. When we come back, Sark is rolling in it right now. Rolling in it. What a contract he's got. Mm. Private jet use, whatever he wants. Ten million dollars a year. Pretty much. I mean, anything you could say you want in a contract, Sark is getting it right now. Like, um, I'm sure he'd be like, listen. I would like you once a week to go slap a guy in the face that I have no tolerance for. (laughs) And they would just send a guy out with big hands and be like, this guy, slap him. (laughs) Bam. Like, they would have done it. The the horns are buying big on Sark. I can't say I blame them. Now, I I do know I saw a message board genius that said, like, this is the Chimbo contract. I'm like, well, no. (laughs) It's a little different. (laughs) He was actually in the playoff and not like, almost there. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> you were right there. It's not the Pinewood <laughs> Derby. Like, no. You got you to gotta go win. You got to go win. Uh, but, yeah, he's right there in year number three at Texas. Uh, a saving disciple going to the SEC. A no-brainer, but we're going to talk about Sark's new contract, what it means for Texas going forward. That's coming up next. This is the Triple Option on 365 Sports. If your business is like most, you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. Whatever you need, we can build it. Internet, metro ethernet, waves, dark fiber. We deliver custom private networks and are focused on business customers only. Our next generation 100% fiber optic infrastructure offers you low latency and ultra scalable bandwidth with speeds up to 100 gigabit to run your critical applications. Your connection won't be limiting your performance anymore. It's diverse and scalable, so it can grow and change as your business grows and changes. And with a secure carrier-grade private network, you'll have all the reliability you need. Contact UPN today to learn more. Fast just got faster. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. Welcome back, Paul Catalina and Garrett Ross. G-Money. Nobody's called him that since Q left. (laughs) Yeah. 
But we saw Q two weeks ago. Did see Q two weeks ago. And first thing he said was G Money. He did. So, yeah. So, there we go. Um, uh, Garrett, I, uh, I'm going to tell you this story. So, my wife had to renew, Amanda had to renew her Sirius XM. Mm-hmm. I have never had it in a car because when you work for a radio station, you can't really yeah. listen to other things. Yeah. You have to, like, stay loyal. Yeah, I mean, but it's not even loyal. It's just like, you know, like if somebody calls up and goes, hey, are you hearing what's going on in the yeah. air right now? And you'd be like, oh, no, I was rocking out to Rick Springfield. They're going to be like, what are you doing? What are you do- yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, what is your job? <laughs> so the other thing is, even when you're like away from work, you're just listening to make sure that nothing, nothing yes. goes wrong. Like, you know, we, we didn't, like in our station, we didn't have a, like an actual dedicated engineer. Um, no. we had like, we would contract out, which is what medium and smaller market stations do now, which is an absolutely terrible idea. It's horrible. It's a horrible idea. But so like you had to listen because like, if something broke, like we had to go and fix it. Even when we weren't there. Like there are many times where you'd call and be like, Hey, are you close to the radio station? Like I'm almost there. Like, all right, I'll be there right behind you. We'll yeah. figure out what this disaster is. So for a long time, even though I wanted Sirius XM, I never got it because you know, I think I had like a three month trial. It lasted like a week of me like trying to listen to mm-hmm. it. And then, you know, we had like a week full of technical disasters over and over and over again at different times of the day. Just ruined so it. just I was like my paranoia <laughs> wouldn't let me wouldn't let me enjoy it. So as soon as the three month trial was over, I was like, no, nah, I, I can't like I want to. I can't. Right. So but now that I'm, you know, living a normal, healthy life, uh, they, uh, uh, my Amanda had to renew her subscription mm-hmm. and, you know, I get now like a discounted rate and free months for her to add my car. So while I was in Vegas, she put it in my car and I've been so addicted to it and listening to it and flipping around and I love it. It's great. But the other day, yesterday we went up to Fort Worth and back just to kind of, you know, get out and mm-hmm. stretch our legs. And so on the way back, we found TikTok radio. What? Yeah. There's a, it's on Channel 4. It's like, so it's all the popular songs on TikTok. And let me just tell you, I've never once. It sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> it was a nightmare. <laughs> I've never once in my life felt so out of touch with a group of people as I do with people who are liking music on TikTok. I couldn't be me. Because... Mm. <laughs> is that you, Jack? Yeah. I, all I was like, what the, f- is this? Like everything, yeah. <laughs> every, and then some of it wasn't even bad. It just was like, the names of the artists seemed like they were like. Made up. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Look, I lived through the 80s and early 90s. So like, I know what a shit band name is. Like, I know that you're not going to make it. Like, nobody is going to an Oingo Boingo concert now. Like, if they were never going to make it because their name was Oingo Boingo, like, there are people that can tell you, like, they are going to be one-hit wonders. Mm -hmm. But, like, the whole time I'm listening and going, oh, man, this is it. Like, this is where I feel 61. Like, this is how it feels. This is the first little thing. Like, the world when you're aging gives you little bitty clues as to what your life is going to be 20 years from now. And listening to TikTok radio was that for me. And not that I didn't like any of it or like I thought it was like these damn kids today. Mm-hmm. It was just like I just felt so lost. Yeah. Like where, like, oh, 
That's how I am like 90% of the time. If my wife and daughter are talking about anything pop culture or something in my house, I have no clue what's – I, I just I pay no attention to it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I – like, Garrett, you would say, like, of all the people you know, mm-hmm. I'm pretty plugged into the news. You stay pretty active, yes. Like news all across, all kind of nudes. Yes. You know, whether it's, you know, political news or world news or, you, you want know, to be entertainment news. Like, I'm, I'm well-rounded. I am maybe not into, like, the salacious murder news like my wife is. So, oh, yeah. like, occasionally there'll be something like, um, what was her name? Um, the girl who was in a wheelchair, but she wasn't really... Her mom was like... This is the one where the mom like made her... She ended up killing her mom. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Her yeah, boyfriend yeah. My, killed the mom. Yeah, my, we watched uh, the whole documentary, the 2020 yes. documentary about it, which was, which was interesting. But I had not like... Yeah. I had not heard about it when it happened. Also because... I think it was like 2015 or something like that, 2016. I was like, in, like super busy at the rate. Like There was no room for you know, a murder in a state mm-hmm. that I didn't live in. Like, yeah. I, I mean, as far as... Gypsy Rose. Gypsy Rose. Thank you. Gypsy Rose. Thank you. So Gypsy Rose. And Amanda's just shocked. I had no idea about Gypsy Rose. And I was like, like, now I feel stupid for not knowing because it was like a big deal. That's that's how I found out even about it was apparently she has a TikTok or something. And my wife and daughter. Yeah, that's how I found out who she was. I never heard of it until then. Yeah, it's very weird to me that we follow. So weird. um, People like that. Who I mean, look, her story is complicated. It's complicated. I don't know how to feel about it completely. Like, I get it, but I don't know how to feel about it. Yeah. I'm, I'm like watching it. Here's the other thing. She met her husband. Her husband wrote her a letter while she was in prison. Yeah, I, I just, never get that. That's I always like, red wondered, like, And like he who was saying in the documentary, like, if you write a letter to this celebrity, who was like a normal celebrity, her, his friend, I'll write a letter to Gypsy Rose. I'd be like, you are losing this battle. Like, you're, like their letter is not going to get answered. Yours will, but I don't know if you want that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was weird. Anyhow, moving on. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian got a massive contract. Yes, he did. His salary is essentially doubled. $10 million a year. Bigger assistant pool. Private jet whenever he wants it. Um, a home, car, like everything. Like He's got the Lincoln Riley contract, mm-hmm. essentially, uh, which is what everybody's going to get when they do those things now. But he's got Lincoln, like... It looks to me almost exactly like Lincoln's yeah. contract. And this is the first time I really feel that Texas has made, since they let Matt Brown grow, and I'm still not sure that was, the, like, looking back, that was the right decision, but I do think that they had maybe reached a point with Mac they, where he wasn't, he wasn't recruiting the right way. He put all his... He went all in on Garrett Gilbert and bit him in the ass. That's that, what happened. That and like it wasn't just that. It was they were recruiting guys because they were trying to be the number one class, mm-hmm. not because they were trying to get guys that f- could do what they wanted them to do. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just Garrett Gilbert that didn't work out. Like that was the big thing. But because everybody would have taken Garrett Gilbert, everyone wanted him. Like he, he could have gone anywhere yeah. in the country. But Mac. Also, it was he wasn't getting the same offensive lineman. Oh, but this guy's a five star. But like, he had just kind of they just kind of fallen into. Well, this guy is from here. He wants to go to Texas, and he's a five star. All right. Well, is he going to work as hard as those guys? Because I, I like 
I don't think people understand that that 05 team and to the 05 to like 09, like mm-hmm. that era, we'll just say like that six or seven year era where Texas really took off under Matt Brown. Those dudes were high recruits, but they worked really hard. And look, the jury was out on Vince Young early on. Like he was a bit of a mess. And then it, it took Texas like, like letting the reins go mm-hmm. on him for him to become what he was which is probably also why he wasn't as successful in the NFL because if he would have came into the NFL now, now it would be totally different. Yeah. Him and RG3, it'd be totally yeah. different. Be, be completely different. But like, that's why in the NFL, like the NFL couldn't at the time wrap their heads mm-hmm. around that. Plus Vince had a bit of maturity issue. Yeah, that's a problem. Know, those kind of things. But uh, kind of like Vince, like Kyler Murray's going through a little bit of what Vince did. Maybe not as bad, but like Vince was just, I think he had some, some, Wrong people around him. Too. Oh yeah, he had a terrible agent who was yeah. stealing money from yeah, him. That like was all, bad. all these things. But um, I, I think that. Um, but yeah, I, I I think that Sark is the first one where you could have if you if they given like a massive raise to Tom Herman. I know he mm-hmm. got like a little extension in there somewhere, but had they given a massive raise to Tom Herman, I'm like I just never felt it was going to work out. But because they had not broken out of that culture thing that happened post Mac of. Um, you know, we should be, we're Texas, we're good. Yeah. Like, no, you got to earn good. The other guys, like, and I think they knew this because they grew up in the era where, like, Makovic and right before, like, Texas was good but not great for a long time. Yeah. For a long time, they were good but not great. Like, they weren't, I mean, like, the last years of the Southwest Conference, A&M dominated the last mm-hmm. years of the Southwest Conference. That never happened before. No. You know? So, um, R.C. Slocum was beating Texas regularly. Um, I think he beat him seven years in a row. Like that, that didn't happen before. And so the big 12 happens and then they're good, but not great. Good, but not great. Had the big win over Nebraska that, that, you know, that kind of catapulted them a little bit, but McEvick wasn't a fit. Mac Brown came in and those guys worked so hard to, to make Texas because mm-hmm. they knew that Texas wasn't great. They knew it. But the, I think that next generation thought, oh, well, this Texas is great. Like, well, no. Like between 1976 and 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 before those guys got there, they were just good. Yeah, like they were just good. You know, they they would play again, like that Cotton Bowl against Miami in, in 90 or 91, whatever that was. Like they just got absolutely shredded. Like when they would play teams like that, they would lose. So now they've got a, they've got a coach and they've got a system in place that I think should make them feel confident going into the SEC, especially. And here's how things work out for Texas all the time. All the time. So the biggest mountain, there's two gigantic mountains Texas has to climb in the SEC. One of them is Kirby Smart. Mm -hmm. And that's a mountain that everybody's going to have to climb for probably the next 15 years, at least. Because he's very young and he's wildly successful. Then the second mountain you have to climb was Nick Saban Mountain. Well, Nick Saban Mountain's gone. And you win win at Tuscaloosa and won last year. Yes. So Nick Saban Mountain left before you get there. Now, there's other smaller mountains, the LSU Mountain. The fact that a look, you still have to climb the Oklahoma Mountain. A&M Mountain is actually one that they're going to have to, it's going to be a thorn in their side. I don't think it's going to flip any time to where it was like R.C. Slocum mm. in the late 80s and early 90s. But that's going to be a thorn in their side because there is so much vitriol there. Mm-hmm. But the, like... If, if they were, you know, we're going to scale the two highest mountains, well, one of them just got really smaller. And no offense to Kalen DeBoer, but we have no idea how that's going to go. He's got to prove it. 
He's got to prove it. So like, yeah, you have some of the other mountains, but like one of the biggest ones just voluntarily got out of your way. And so rolling in with Steve Sarkeesian, who was in the Nick Saban coach rehabilitation program, I mean, I don't think you could could do it. So were yeah. there any – were there – all right, so when – there were two things that stood out to me from the contract in, in general. Uh, and one was the initial thought of a lot of people would probably look at this as Texas bidding against themselves. We see that all the time with – I'd view this as not that. I think this is different because – Sark has, has been able to do, like, kind of like you were saying, something that hasn't been able to do there. Anybody has been able to do it also for a long time. So I don't view that as them building against themselves from that standpoint. And as you head into the SEC, you have somebody who understands it. So I think that was good for them. The other thing that stood out to me was the, um, the uh, golf, uh, golf, what was it, the damn uh, country club thing. Yeah. Because there was a lot of things about, okay, well, if you're getting all this money, then you can get your own country club. To me, that would be the part of it I don't want in my deal. Because when I see that, that means I'm automatically being told you're going to have to go and meet face-to-face with boosters, donors, and deal with the behind-the-scenes stuff that you don't necessarily want to. They're forcing your hand and saying, you're going to have to see us. Yeah, I am... I, I could be totally wrong, and uh, I would accept that. Here's the thing. I would, I would take it for the perks you get with the country club he's getting to go to. But also, that is something you have to do nowadays, and you especially have to do it at Texas. And it is it's something that um, looked at an AD, Steve Patterson, that was horrible at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I still, I always think of Chip Brown's article where he like sat down with a guy he was about to ask for $3 million from and said, look, I got 20 minutes. And the guy's like, wait a minute. You're asking me for money. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. You have as like if you want this money, you have as long as it's going to take for me to understand why you need this much money. You don't get to be like twenty minutes, three million dollars, yes or no? Right. Like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Look, <laughs> Garrett, if I asked you for ten dollars and I said you have to decide within five minutes, you'd be like, no, no, <laughs> can't do it. You didn't think about like, you didn't give me time to like, listen, this is why I need $10 from you. You specifically, not anybody else in the room. Right. You, I want your $10. You'd be like, no, can't happen. <laughs> you don't have time to do it. Like, Hey, think about loaning me $10 tomorrow. You might go home and think about it and be like, listen, I thought about it and still no, but I appreciate you giving me the time to yeah. understand that like my $10 is important to me. But, uh, but I think Sark, I think he's going to do great. I think he's, He's kind of proven everybody like that believed in him right or the doubters wrong that this is a guy who can win as a head coach and win in, in big styles because his tenure at USC was really sloppy. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he was going through some personal demons. Washington was good but not great. I mean, like he had been good enough at Washington to where he sprung that into, into USC, but now at Texas, he seems to have really found himself. And again, I credit a lot of that to being in that Saban program mm-hmm. where it reboots you and makes you look at things like, okay, here's how I want to do things, but this is how Nick Saban does them. And these are the kind of guys we need. And the biggest thing I think he did, which really messed up the big 12 this year was when they, when they asked him, okay, you're in the sec. What's the difference between the sec and the big 12? It really is the big, they're the best at getting the big dudes. Mm -hmm. They're the best at getting defensive linemen and offensive linemen. And when Texas won in 05, they were eight deep on the defensive line. When they were, Played against Alabama in 09, they were about seven deep on the, on the D-line. And they had O-lines that were just ridiculously scary. Uh, and they had not had either of those for quite a long time. And then you had probably the best 
defensive line in the country, top to bottom, that they had this year. And guess what? They went to the playoff, and they lost to Michael Penix because he didn't miss on a pass all mm-hmm. night long. But, um, yeah, I do think that, you know, and look, save this segment because I have not dogged the Longhorns once in the 15 minutes we've been talking about them. So, it's a miracle. Yes. Gold star it, Longhorn fans. <laughs> I did not even manage to get a dig in at all. I don't know if I'm proud of myself or ashamed, but when we come back, Jack McKenzie's going to come here. We're going to spitball some ideas about our college football 25 uh, maybe group tournament that we'll have with, with the, the listeners and on the site, uh, the viewers. Uh, we're going to try to figure it out, and we want some crowdsourcing feedback on this. Um, again, this is the first – this is like not even phase one of the project. Right. This is – like the meeting before the meeting, before the real meeting, but we do need to maybe crowdsource some ideas every day. And then Garrett and I are going to do NFL Draft Rapid Fire. This is 365 Sports. If your business is like most, you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. Whatever you need, we can build it. Internet, Metro Ethernet, Waves, Dark Fiber. We deliver custom private networks and are focused on business customers only. Our next generation 100% fiber optic infrastructure offers you low latency and ultra scalable bandwidth with speeds up to 100 gigabit to run your critical applications. Your connection won't be limiting your performance anymore. It's diverse and scalable. So it can grow and change as your business grows and changes. And with a secure carrier-grade private network, you'll have all the reliability you need. Contact UPN today to learn more. Fast just got faster. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. Welcome back. You're joined now by Jack McKenzie. And today's version of Look How Short Paul Is. Uh, I'm not quite on the right. And look, here's the deal. Jack is the person you'd call tall, but he's not Garrett tall, and he's not Royden tall. And there are taller people than both of them. Yeah, I'm not weirdly tall. Yeah. <laughs> I'm average tall. Yeah, he's just tall. Like, you're like, Jack. Like, if I was, like, trying to set Jack up with a girl, and she's like, what does he look like? Oh, he's kind of tall, you know. Like he's a tall guy. I'm, I'm tall like I can easily get all these helmets off the top shelf without ruining anything. Yeah, I can't do that. I've, in fact, been banned from doing it. Yes, I have banned you. Yeah, I've been banned from doing it because <laughs> I kind of have to do the little, like, leap. So yeah, we've got a little LED strip up there that he knocks down a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not. Uh, anyway. But, look, you know, sometimes here's the thing. Let me tell you. This is for the young people out there. Emery, listen up. Uh, sometimes if you're not good at a thing, they'll stop asking you to do it. And then you don't have to worry about it. And uh, this is a thing that I learned from David Smoke, who's good at a lot of things. <laughs> but if you're bad enough at a thing and you're annoying about it, like he is with his computer, oh. people will stop asking you to help with theirs and you can just focus on you. So 
It's a really, uh, it's a really complicated and long way around being selfish. But if you got to do it, you got to do it. Yeah, do what you uh, do. Yeah, but no, I love it. But like Smokey, like honestly, like I wish we could just get him like a steam powered computer that had two <laughs> functions <laughs> and just two buttons to hit. <laughs> that way, he'd be like, "Why does it do this? Well, you didn't hit the right button. Like, right button does this, left button does this. Kind of like." Gas and brakes. Like that's that's what we need. He's he's fine with that. Um, yeah, but he's all gas, no brakes. Yeah, exactly. He'd only use one, one button. Like Sark. Yeah. So nice callback, Jack. Uh, so we uh, and we have potential. We have a, a potential sponsor, John, uh, who who threw this out to me this week about uh, getting a, a PlayStation here, a PlayStation Five, and uh, us doing um, content based around College Football Twenty Five. Yeah, which I think. Everyone would be Love game it. for. Um, and I think Emery might be the most excited. Yeah. So we, uh, John loves all the podcasts. He he loves Garrett, and he, he really loves Garrett. Man, yeah. he really does. He loves oh, Garrett. Thank you, John. Um, because Garrett, Garrett showed UCF a lot of love. Yeah. Hey, they made Joe Burrow. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we, um, we, uh, we met John in Orlando when we were there. Yeah, um, love John. Yeah, John's great, great, great dude. We text about uh, text all the time. Uh, so uh, I have this idea. Like, we, we've had this idea about like a tournament we play. We you know record it. You know we talk. We have other ideas that are maybe even bigger than that. But we've got to like see if the people involved in that would let us do it. Yeah, <laughs> that's the biggest there's, there's thing. Some stuff to figure out. Some there's, stuff to iron there's out. Stuff to iron out. But here's my first proposition to you, Jack. We have two divisions that play through like a season. Make it simple, not like a dynasty. Like maybe we can create dynasty later when we figure it yeah, out. We can get deeper later. We deeper later, but like maybe just do a season and like we can have a draft of teams that way. Like you know, we don't have eleven people playing with Texas. You know, like oh please no. But yeah, but like you go in, we'll have a draft. Like okay. We'll randomize it. You know, we'll go to a randomizer website. We'll have a draft of things, and you go in and like, you know, if Paxton wants to be Texas, if he has the right one, then you know, we can do yeah. that. And so we go through, and we play through a league. I say there's two divisions of the league. There is the Geezer League, which would include guys like me and Garrett mm-hmm. who are married and have to carve out time a little bit more to participate. Than the rest, and it might take us longer to get better at the game. So we're all kind of maybe on the same level. And then we will have the Young Buck League, which would be guys like Emery or you that are maybe more adept. That way we have that. And then the end, the championship, so to speak. We and we can do a twelve-team playoff. We can set it up. We can bracket. It. We'll do a twelve-team playoff. But the champions, the way we'll bracket it would be different. Like we'll just do six and six, like the highest ranked six in either side, and then go forth that way, and then play a championship. And the winner would be the geezers versus the young guys. There's some uh, things we got to take into account. Which one? If we're playing on the new uh, EA Sports NCAA Football 25. We don't know just what the online systems will build out to be like. Will you be able to play a one-off season? Do you automatically have to go into dynasty mode? Mm-hmm. Which, uh, if there's not a dynasty mode, that game is going to crash and burn with its fan base. So I'm assuming there is. Yeah. Um, and then, like, if we do two different seasons, one for the old guys' league, one for the young guys' league, then uh, then we're just going to have to look at um, keeping track of injuries and whatnot at the end to see who should be able to play in those playoffs. Yeah, we can have a we can have a committee 
Yeah, we can have we a have committee. We have a committee. We can like yeah. make arbitrarily terrible decisions that have nothing to back them up with. <laughs> yeah. Paul, you can be the spokesperson. Yeah. <laughs> Just listen. You'd we be better than any one of the actual college football playoff committee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. We just didn't like you. No, we didn't think so. We watched a bunch of this. But, yeah, we can go through. And some of it might be easier to figure out than the committee because we'll probably have – I think we'll probably have maybe more stacked wins and losses where it's a, a little more clear. But, you know, those that's fifth and sixth team is probably going to be pretty tough. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're going to do that. I think it'll be um, – so we're going to – because we're going to pick – we can do 12 each side or six each side and maybe make it, but like ultimately the winners of each side are going to play each other. Yep. And we're going to do that. So um, we'll have to track through on that. And then uh, I guess that, like, I don't know how it would meet in the middle, but we'll figure all that out. We can figure but all of that out. Any ideas that you guys have, please uh, put them in the comments, put them in the chat. Um, send it up to the text line, 254-339-1122. We wanna, we've got some time because it's February now. The game doesn't come out until July. We have some time to build this out, and I want to do it, and I want to do it right, and I want to do it where the most people are going to have fun and, and have it, like have this thing because we are fired up. Like This is the only thing that could have honestly gotten me back into it like at all because I did – this was my – like I think this you was people – You were going to play. You were going to play. I was going to play, but like – I would, if college football had not come back, I would not like. I would not even like consider any of this. Like, yeah. it wouldn't even like. It'd be like, it, eh, what's it going to do for me? For me personally, I grew up playing a lot of video games, a lot of sports video games. Yeah, I had uh, among sure. other consoles, a Nintendo Wii and an Xbox 360. Those are the last consoles I've bought. Yeah. and you know why? In large part. Because the NCAA football games stopped being produced. Yeah. Those were the games that would probably have gotten me to get an Xbox One, Xbox uh, Xbox Series X. I don't even know. Whatever they are, yeah. Uh, So, like, it would get me to get a PS5 at this point, maybe. Now, now let me ask you this. If I have a PS5 and you have an Xbox, can we play against each other? So, that's actually something that's been pretty interesting in the news lately, is that um, Microsoft is looking at at no longer doing title exclusives because there is a big push in their player base for cross-platform play, and they'd rather get on the forefront of being more accessible to everyone and and maximizing profits across all platforms rather than being like uh, trying to maximize profits for their console by keeping stuff uh, only on their platform. Yeah, okay, that's good. Because yeah, I'd so, like to see so that going forward. In the, in the strain of that, Hopefully and probably there will be cross-platform. Okay, good deal. Glad I'm to not, know that. I'm not fully caught up on Madden. Look, and look, we might have to do an Xbox and a PlayStation I don't league, think so. But like, to my understanding, I think Madden is cross-platform. Okay. And that's EA's flagship course, football yeah. game, so I would assume if that is true, because I don't know because Madden sucks as a game. <laughs> <laughs> if that's true, then they will have easily cross-platform for NCAA. Yeah. Okay, good deal. So this is going to happen. So we're going to do it. We have months to build this out. Months to build it out. But yeah, I think we're going to do it. I think there's going to be enough interest in it. And we'll... Yeah. yeah. And we're always looking for ways to interact with the fans better and get people to, I don't know, maybe know us a bit more on a personal level. Here's the thing. Also, video... show up to my apartment or his house. Yeah. (laughs) Video game game, uh, content will skew our viewer base younger. Yep. Yeah. A little bit. Like, we do great. We're going to piss off some of the old all, all the All the people that are in here now, we do great with your demographics. And please, we do okay with the younger people. Like, based on what we are, we do okay. Better than we did on radio. I'll tell yes. you that right now. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, there was, like, 
Emery might be the outlier in this, but there were times where like I would meet kids Emery's age and they would like, you know, we'd be like be at a job fair, like Baylor would have me for internship things. And they're like, I didn't even know we had radio stations in this town. You're like, oh Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Hey Emery. Do you do you ever listen to the radio, like have a show you tuned into? Oh, he's constantly? from Oklahoma. Of course he did. No. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, there we go. So he's a good one. Yeah, he's a good one. For but, me, I would listen to a bunch of The Ticket growing up in Dallas. Yeah, see, you're good. You had, and like, again, but sometimes people didn't grow up in great sports market mm-hmm. towns. Like, um, like Orlando is not a great market for sports radio. Like, Mark Daniels is the best thing they have on, and I'm not just saying it because he's my friend. He's the best thing they got on, but, like, they do have to, like, swim upstream because, like, Tampa's right there, mm-hmm. and, like, a lot of the fans, like, I'll just listen to, you know, 850 in Tampa, and, like, yeah. I, I'll just, anyway, but, yeah, so this is, this is great. I'm excited. Uh, this is, this is going to brought, look, and look, and hey, if you're an older person and would like to jump into this, I don't care if you're 50 or 60, if you feel like you want to play the game, get yourself a console, uh, or go, they can, like, and the beauty- I'll tell you this, there's gaming places you can just even go and sign yeah. in with your gamer tag and play it, so. And the beauty of these games, honestly, is kind of letting you dream and see stuff that you probably won't get to see in real life. You yeah. can take your Baylor and go win a national championship with them. Yeah. I'll probably never see that in my life. I think I have to come to terms with that. But it's also, there's other stuff that we haven't been able to see in those settings mm-hmm. for years because 2014, as a Baylor fan, McLean Stadium was not in the last officially made game. Yeah. So I haven't seen McLean Stadium in a game. I, every time I play a home game as Baylor in NCAA 14, we're playing in Floyd Casey. Yeah. Yeah. See? So, so there you go. Is, is there anything that comes to your mind of, like, what didn't exist? Because, like, um, Kyle Field got a bunch of upgrades. Yeah. Stuff Kyle like that. Field will look cooler. Um, the Doka will look cooler. The Swamp will still look the same. <laughs> uh, the Orange Bowl won't be there. The Orange Bowl, the Orange Bowl won't, won't be, be there. there. Oh, yeah. Man. Like, that's, that's the thing. There's more stuff that probably won't be there than will, you know? Um, I think rules-wise, also, like, here's the thing. The, I hope they still have the old-school offenses that are in there and available for you to use. But, like, the offenses are going to look completely different because they'll start installing playbooks of guys who have come along recently. Like, mm-hmm. Lincoln Riley's playbook has all happened since then. And, and Kalen DeBoer's playbook has all happened since then. And, and like, all these kind of offensive innovators – that were are new, you know, like, you know, look, look, most of the Bryles, but like offshoots will like, like Zach Kitley, like that'll be a new one. Like those things. That's what I'm kind of excited to see is like how that does. And I do hope they still keep where I can run the wishbone if I want to, you know, Um, honestly, I hope they have a playbook in there. That's just the Mike Leach playbook. Yeah. I mean like, yeah, some of those, because again, like Mike Leach was still, Relatively a new thing in 2014. But I hope they name it. The well, as far as video games, well, yeah, yeah, like just just do those things. So, all right, Jack, we have to do a quick NFL draft rapid fire. Otherwise, okay. I'm a liar. My bad. Oh yeah. So no, no, it's great. I we wanted more. So, um, but yeah, I think I think we'll get it. So um, we'll we'll get it going, and I hope maybe we can get the attention of the EA people, and they can see that we have value, which we do. <laughs> we have value as human beings. Okay, on that, on that basic level, I'll give and, you that. And YouTube creators, which is still a title I'm not nuts about. I don't like a create. I don't know. Like I think a creator, I think like Michelangelo, and I'm just crapping out sports videos every day. So I don't know if I'm the I'm not, I'm not doing the Sistine Chapel. 
<laughs> but I like my photo work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not <laughs> I'm more of a creator than yeah. you. And Paul. here's the thing, it's like I feel I'm very confident in the stuff that we do and I think we do good stuff. I'm very proud of what we do, but also like I'm lumped into a thing with like a girl who's like, This is what you do with makeup. <laughs> you put this here and you put oh, like, like God. thank you for helping society. So mm. NFL draft rapid fire. What do rapid you got going fire. on there? Okay, so I asked we yep. we have four minutes left. Let's do it. So we will go through, and I ask Garrett questions, and we, we ping pong back and forth. So okay. would you like to participate? Sure. Why not? Okay. We have not talked about a team to me that is very intriguing. They have a ton of draft picks, two in the first round, the Arizona Cardinals. Now, okay. if you're the Arizona Cardinals at four, provided that there's a quarterback you like still on the board, do you go for the quarterback – and trade Kyler Murray, whose contract is massive and maybe untradeable, or do you draft someone like Marvin Harrison Jr. to help out Kyler Murray and I, then go on down the line? Uh, for me in that situation, I would just try to ride with Kyler at the moment, build up around it, and that way if it doesn't work out with Kyler, you at least have pieces in place for the next guy to bring in to help out. That way they're not left in a void of what could become mediocrity. I think the contract situation with Kyler does mean he's probably untradeable, which means you're going to have to be dealing with dead money, which I'd rather be building around him and then maybe have to bottom out. Yeah. Here's what, here's, here's what I would do, because they do have like maybe like 11 draft picks, which could probably turn into 15 if they wanted mm. to by, by trading down. But they have 11 or so draft picks. I might be wrong on that, but they have a lot. I would take a quarterback like Michael Pratt, Jordan Travis – um, uh, Talia Tagviola, somebody in those middle rounds that their big strength is maturity, you know, because you're not like, especially Pratt and Jordan Travis, like, you know, those guys are leaders and you know, they're mature, you know, that they'll understand like they're stepping in and they're going to be fighting for their job or they're just going to learn to be a backup. Mm-hmm. They do have Clayton Toon. Uh, from Houston, who yep. was a rookie last year, who I also like. But I think just to maybe push that a little bit, I would get somebody in there who's kind of famous for his leadership. And and, and maybe that can help push Kyler a little bit too. And then because Kyler's also injury prone because he's a runner, mm-hmm. just somebody who can maybe like run the offense similarly when he's out and you don't have to change too much. But we'll see. All right. The New York Giants. And okay. this will be the last question. All right. The New York Giants. Have Daniel Jones for a ton of money. <laughs> They're not going to probably draft a quarterback unless, like, Caleb Williams kills a hooker and they're, like, the only ones who are okay with it, which I don't think he's going to do. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, he'll, he'll get off. <laughs> he'll be fine. No, but, like, they're probably not going to draft one because they have $43 million invested into Daniel Jones. So if you're the Giants, what do you draft at six to make – Daniel Jones more valuable. Also knowing that Saquon Barkley is a free agent and may or may not be back. Uh, I don't know like the status along their offensive line, but I would try to get somebody to help anchor that and keep Daniel Jones on his feet and not get beat his, his brains beat in and maybe try to find him a receiver. But I don't know at the, I think I would probably go with the line at that at that moment. Yeah. Okay. I think the hit rate on first round offensive linemen is going to be higher than the value is going to be better for an offensive lineman over a receiver. The hit rate is going to be maybe 
better and definitely hold off on a running back. Well, yeah. Like, come on. Th- yeah. Those are going to be a dime a dozen. You're not getting the next Saquon at that up there. Like, no, I, there's I don't not, see a guy there, like that in this draft. There's not a guy like that no. in this draft. And Saquon might be back. Like, they'll know that before the draft, but keeping that in mind that, like, there's a chance that somebody – Says, no, we're going to take Saquon here. Get a guy who can protect Daniel Jones better and open up, like, make Saquon want to come back. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, Obviously, the decision will be made before the draft. Yeah. But, like, if, yeah, make it to where if you do bring him back. Now, and I do think that there are, like, there are guys that they could get in the second round that could help the wide receiver. But I'm telling you, if Roma Dunze is staring at me in the face at number six, I would be like, ah, because they haven't had that. They haven't had that playmaker. Uh, The other thing I'd be, and like, the other thing, and we'll talk about him tomorrow. Tomorrow we're going to talk about Brock Bowers. Mm-hmm. So the thing about Brock Bowers is going to be our rapid fire. Uh, and, and Royden won't be here, so I'll have to have somebody else in here. Maybe I'll get Jacob. But Brock Bowers will be our rapid fire guy. Uh, we'll do that tomorrow. But I would say the Giants, if they didn't have Waller already, that would be also a, a place I would look at, at Brock Bowers. But he may not get there because the Chargers in front of him, that one kind of makes a little bit of sense to me there. But we'll see. I don't know what Jim Harbaugh's got cooking. Uh, nobody does. He no. just, like, you know, he just kind of comes out of the room and says, this is what we're doing. <laughs> so Hamburgs. We'll <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not about a hamburger. It's not so much more than that. Anyway, well, uh, that's going to do it for us. Thanks to Jack. Thanks to Emery. Thanks to Garrett. Thanks to all of you in the chat room. Again, text us 254-339-1122 if you have any ideas about our college football tournament gaming like ea sports thing just send us any ideas there's no stupid ideas there's only stupid people with ideas so don't don't feel afraid to send us and anything. we will know who you are if you're that person we've <laughs> yeah. got some of them in the room they yeah know. <laughs> absolutely that's gonna do it for us uh we've got an interesting guest bill farley uh who wrote a Substack article on fsu's potential financial exit strategy that should make the acc kind of nervous because it appears from what he's researched, that they kind of have their financial ducks in a row and just need a court case to go their way. So we'll talk about that at 4 o'clock, plus other things. we got Dennis Dodd today as well. This is 365 Sports. If your business is like most, you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. Whatever you need, we can build it. Internet, metro ethernet, waves, dark fiber. We deliver custom private networks and are focused on business customers only. Our next generation 100% fiber optic infrastructure offers you low latency and ultra scalable bandwidth with speeds up to 100 gigabit to run your critical applications. Your connection won't be limiting your performance anymore. It's diverse and scalable. So it can grow and change as your business grows and changes. And with a secure carrier-grade private network, you'll have all the reliability you need. Contact UPN today to learn more. Fast just got faster.